Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Today's episode, Ron Carter, Empire Jazz, from 1980. The Star Wars saga continues. The Empire strikes back at Luke Skywalker. I've been hit! Princess Leia. Give the evacuation code signal. Han Solo. Said you want to be around when I made a mistake. This could be it, sweetheart. I take it back. Landau Calrissian. C-3PO. Wait, me? R2-D2 and Chewbacca. The new chapter of Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. The Empire Strikes Back opened in movie theaters on May 21st, 1980. It's the second film in the Star Wars franchise and the fifth chapter of the nine-part Skywalker saga. This time around, George Lucas handed over directing duties to Irvin Kirshner. Hiring Kirshner was a surprising choice. George Lucas had actually been a student of his at USC School of Cinematic Arts, but Irvin Kirshner had never directed anything close to this big of a film. In this clip from Hollywood's Master Storyteller's YouTube page, Kirshner talks about his meeting with George Lucas. I got a call from George to come to have lunch at Universal Studios. And uh, he was in some of my seminars at USC, and uh, we saw each other occasionally at a party or something. And so I uh, went to have lunch with him, and he asked me, he said, look, I'd like you to do the second Star Wars. Well, my response was immediate, no. No way. Why? Well, because the first one's so successful, the second one will never beat it. It's an original work you did. Eventually, Kirshner's agent was able to talk him into taking the directing job. Filming would take seven months with an initial budget of $8 million, but production difficulties would eventually end up costing $30.5 million. But despite going almost four times over its budget, the film's distributor, 20th Century Fox, was confident in the film. After all, this was the sequel to the biggest movie of all time. Fox did little advertising, only running small ads in newspapers instead of the usual full-page ads for a film of this size. And, as this CBS 8 San Diego clip shows, that was enough. The first camper arrived at the Cinerama on University Avenue shortly after noon on Tuesday. By nine at night, the line encompassed several dozen people. The all-night vigil ends Wednesday morning at 11 when these people finally get to buy tickets to the first showing of The Empire Strikes Back. Do you think this is going to be as big as Star Wars? Bigger! 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 Bigger. And yet a lot of the critics are panning it. Well, what do they know? The studio counter-programmed Empire's opening to be against two very different films, The Gong Show Movie and The Shining. The Empire Strikes Back would finish ahead of them both. And by the way... The Gong Show movie finished ahead of The Shining. The Empire Strikes Back would end up having a 32-week run in theaters. It was the highest-grossing film of 1980. It would be nominated for four Academy Awards, winning two. The film has been re-released multiple times over the last 42 years, putting its worldwide gross just under $550 million. And when adjusted for inflation, 
It's the 13th highest grossing film of all time in the U.S. and Canada. But it wasn't just the film having success. Much like Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back would have an award-winning soundtrack. The soundtrack was released on RSO Records on May 16, 1980, five days before the film's premiere. Returning to conduct and compose the score was the legendary John Williams, and it was performed by the London Symphony Orchestra. As iconic as John Williams' score was in Star Wars, this time around, he composed perhaps the most iconic piece of the entire Star Wars saga. I don't know if this is one of those facts that everybody knows or I just think everybody knows, but if you didn't know, the Imperial March, sometimes referred to as Darth Vader's theme, was not in the first Star Wars film. The Empire Strikes Back soundtrack peaked at number four on the Billboard 200. It won John Williams two more Grammys, plus another Academy Award nomination. After the release of Star Wars in 1977, John Williams' score inspired Miko to release the disco version of his score. I've covered that album in the past, Star Wars and Other Galactic Funk. This time around, for the Empire score, John Williams influenced a jazz legend. Ron Carter is a multi-award-winning jazz bassist. He started his career in the late 50s playing bass for Chico Hamilton, Cannonball Adderley, and Thelonious Monk, just to name a few. In the 60s, he played in the second Miles Davis Quintet, in addition to playing with Herbie Hancock. Throughout his career, which is still going to this day, he's played on over 2,200 recording sessions, making him the most recorded jazz bassist in history but he would occasionally perform on some non-jazz albums, including Roberta Flack's debut album, First Take, which included the number one hit, The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face. The first time ever I saw Ron Carter also taught for 20 years at City College of New York, as well as teaching bass in Juilliard's Jazz Studies program. And since 1961, he's released 45 solo albums. And there's one in particular that's often forgotten about. In 1980, Ron Carter released Empire Jazz on RSO Records. Empire! Today. Very little seems to be known about this record. To the best of my knowledge, Carter hasn't even really talked about it in interviews. It's unclear if he was a big Star Wars fan, I have to guess so, 
Plus, this album was released on RSO, which was the same label that released the soundtrack. So there's a bit of a connection there. Anyway, I'm going to just walk you through this the best I can. First up is the Imperial March, parentheses, Darth Vader's theme. The official soundtrack version runs just over three minutes long. Carter's jazz interpretation is eight and a half minutes. Successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. That, of course, is from The Empire Strikes Back, when Han Solo willingly flies the Millennium Falcon into an asteroid field to escape the Empire. It's accompanied by a piece appropriately titled The Asteroid Field. Ron Carter's version of The Asteroid Field is over nine minutes long. It's track two, and that's also the last song on side one. Ron Carter assembled quite a lineup of musicians for this album. The horn section included Eddie Burt, John Faddis, Joe Shepley, and Frank Weiss, who, between them all, have played with artists like Count Basie, Charles Mingus, and Benny Goodman. Hubert Laws has recorded with everyone from Paul McCartney to Ella Fitzgerald is on flute. Jay Berliner is on guitar, and one of his biggest credits was playing on Van Morrison's Astral Weeks album. Modern drummer and classic drummer Hall of Famer Billy Cobham is on drums, and on percussion is Ralph McDonald, who may be best known as a songwriter, writing a number two hit for Grover Washington Jr. and Bill Withers. Just the two of us. There's also Bob James on piano, perhaps best known for his song Angela better known as the theme from the 70s TV series, Taxi. Bob James is featured prominently on Han Solo and the Princess, parentheses, love theme, which is the first song on side two.
Empire Strikes Back also introduced a few new characters into the Star Wars franchise, one of which was Cloud City Administrator Lando Calrissian, played by Billy D. Williams. Hello, what have we here? Here's Lando's Palace. Another new character, and probably the most loved, was Jedi Master Yoda, who was voiced and puppeteered by Frank Oz. George Lucas had originally wanted Jim Henson to play Yoda, but Henson was too busy with other projects and recommended Oz for the job. Here's George Lucas talking about the origins of Yoda in From Star Wars to Jedi, The Making of the Saga. When I came to the second film to start working on uh, The Empire Strikes Back, a lot of the information and the training that takes place was originally designed to be done by Ben. But since I killed off Ben in the first film, uh, it left me with a lot of exposition, a lot of training scenes that I didn't have anybody to perform. So I had to come up with a new Jedi Master who was even more powerful than Ben. And I had to come up with somebody who would be interesting to watch. I mean, I was very apprehensive about how that was going to work. Could I take a main character in a movie? and use a little rubber puppet. And would that, I mean, is it going to happen or is it just going to be a disaster? And right up until the moment where he was on film and talking, it looked like it was going to be a disaster. And Yoda's theme is the album's closer. Yes, the album is just five tracks, but it's still over 40 minutes of music. Ron Carter produced the album himself, and in an odd coincidence, Ron Carter was born on May 4th, which these days is known as Star Wars Day, a.k.a. May the 4th be with you. One more thing to mention is the album's cover, which is an illustration by Jeff Wack. It features a band performing on stage that consists of Chewbacca on piano, C-3PO on bass, a stormtrooper on saxophone, not exactly sure how that would work, and R2-D2 on drums. That band is performing for Darth Vader, who's sitting and watching at a table with some cocktails. Empire Jazz is long out of print and never got a CD release. It's currently not available to stream, with the exception of YouTube. Earlier I mentioned the character Lando Calrissian. Well, the man who played Lando, Billy D. Williams, released an album of his own back in 1961 titled Let's Misbehave. But that is for another time. 
Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums, and I'm at Tony Thaxton. You can also like Bizarre Albums on Facebook and visit BizarreAlbums.com. And if you still want more Bizarre Albums in your life, sign up for weekly bonus episodes of Bizarre Singles and more at Patreon.com slash Bizarre Albums. And as always, if you know of a Bizarre Album you'd like to hear featured, please tweet the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can even email me at BizarreAlbums at gmail.com. My name is Tony Thaxton, and I'll see you next time on Bizarre Albums. Bizarre Albums.